welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday the 14th of December 2008, entitled The Gifts of God, Part 3, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Of course, we began last Sunday morning with the gift in the singular you are a believer here today. You've received the greatest gift that you could ever receive in all this world. And God gave his son to you. And God gave you, through his son, eternal life. And God gave you uh, that gift that uh, is not temporary as all others that you might receive, but that is everlasting through all of eternity. We looked in, in, in that first one at how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, our one triune God, how each of them have a part, that gift that is given to you. That's the first gift that every human being must receive. Just like any other gift that you receive, you know, I wonder if I ask you this morning, who in all of the world could give you a gift this Christmas? That somehow would mean more to you than anything. You'd be more excited about that gift because that it was coming from that individual than anybody else. You know, no matter how beautiful that gift is and no matter how much anticipation, if you sat there and held it for the rest of your life without taking the wrapper off, it would be absolutely no good. You see, I want you to understand, God has given the gift to you. He has. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He paid the price for you. There is no question about that. I love in First John, as John was writing, and of course, as he was speaking to Christians and talking about Jesus Christ being the propitiation for our sins. What a great word that is. Many Bibles just take it out today because it's hard to understand. Well, we need to understand what God's saying, not just take it away so that uh, uh, the meaning is lost in it. But in that great word, God was the, Jesus Christ was the propitiation for our sins. I mean everything that was needed by God to satisfy Him was met in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing left out. But then John went on speaking to the Christians. He says, but not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world. You see, the gift has been given. And that's what we focused on last Sunday morning. And you must receive that gift. You're the only person in all the world that can unwrap it and make use of what God has given to you by it being applied to your life. And then we looked secondly last Sunday evening at not only the, the gift that was given in the Lord Jesus Christ, but then we looked at the gifts, plural. And we looked last Sunday evening at the gifts that were given to the body of Christ. To the body of Christ. And as we looked there in Ephesians, we saw that God, one, you see, it, it goes something like this. The first thing you have to do is accept the gift from God. The greatest gift of all in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you receive that gift, and the Word of God teaches us that when you receive that gift, 
you are baptized into the body of Christ spiritually. And at that same token, that should be visible in your life by being baptized into the local visible body of Christ. And we find that when that takes place, that God has placed you within the body of Christ. And this is what we began to look at last Sunday evening was that to that body, God has given gifts. And the gifts that he's actually given to that body are truly just men with gifts, gifted men that God has specifically called to minister to you. He's given you those, those teacher pastors, those to, to, to look over you, to guard for you, to protect you, but to teach you and give you those things that will help you. And we looked at that many of those things, the reason, the purpose behind it, that we can be built up in the faith, that we can be all that God wants us to be, that we'll be able to stand and not be knocked about by every doctrine that comes along. God has given you gifts to the body as a whole. But as we move on, what we want to focus our attention upon this morning, not only the gifts and the gifts that are given to the body as a whole, but the gifts within the body of Christ. Now we began, and again for the sake of time, last Sunday evening we finished by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13. Now we're not going to go back and reread all of those this morning. You can read them, we've, we've, we've read them, but we're going to look at a number of these verses because again, may I reiterate and come back to the point, gifts are a big part of Christmas. Matter of fact, they become too much of a part sometimes because we get to worrying about giving for all the wrong reasons. And it almost becomes a race sometimes of who can give their children the most, who can outgive this family or that family. And You know, we need to get rid of all of that secularism that, that is there. And if we're going to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is worthy of celebration, let's do it in the right way. And as we look at these gifts... As we look this morning, I want you to really focus upon the thought that we've got before us up there. Every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. You see, if you're a believer this morning, I believe the Word of God teaches clearly and explicitly that not only have you been given the gift that was yours in the Lord Jesus Christ, that gift of eternal life, but you've been given a gift or maybe gifts, plural, within the body that God has placed you to be used, not for yourself, but for others, to be a service to others and to bring glory to God. We'll see where it's got nothing to do with self. As soon as, soon as self starts getting in the way and pride starts moving in and you think, boy, how good I am at this, it's gone. It's worthless. I want to read you a story to begin with. I, I read this to the youngsters at the homeschool meeting this past week, and it was just simply something in a very practical way that, uh, uh, that touched me as I read it. I just want to read it to you this morning to, to, again, if we could get our mind focusing in the right direction is of what gifts of Christmas really should be about if we're going to give gifts at all. It's just a small white envelope stuck among the branches of our Christmas tree. No name, no identification, 
no inscription. It has peeked through the branches of our tree for the past 10 years or so. It all began because my husband, Mike, hated Christmas. Oh, not the true meaning of Christmas, but the commercial aspects of it. Overspending, the frantic running around at the last minute to get a, a tie for Uncle Harry and the dusting powder for Grandma, the gifts given in desperation because you couldn't think of anything else. Knowing he felt this way, I decided one year to bypass the usual shirts, sweaters, ties, and so forth. And I reached for something special just for Mike. The inspiration came in an unusual way. Our son Kevin, who was 12 that year, was wrestling at the junior level at the school he attended. And shortly before Christmas, there was a non-league match against a team sponsored by an inner-city church these youngsters dressed in sneakers so ragged that shoestrings seemed to be the only thing holding them together presented a sharp contrast to our boys in their spiffy blue and gold uniforms and sparkling new wrestling shoes as the match began. I was alarmed to see that the other team was wrestling without headgear even, a kind of light helmet designed to protect a wrestler's ears. It was a luxury the ragtag team obviously could not afford. Well, we ended up walloping them. We took every weight class. And as each of their boys got up from the mat, he swaggered around in his tatters and false bravado, a kind of street pride that wouldn't let him acknowledge defeat. Mike, my husband, seated beside me, shook his head sadly. I wish just... One of them, at least, could have won. They have a lot of potential, but losing like this could take the heart right out of them. Mike loved kids, all kids, and he knew them. Having coached Little League football, baseball, lacrosse, that's when the idea for his present came. That afternoon, I went to a local sporting goods store and bought an assortment of wrestling headgear and shoes and sent them anonymously to the inner city church. On Christmas Eve, I placed the envelope on the tree, the note inside telling Mike what I had done, that this was his gift from me. His smile was the brightest thing about Christmas that year and in succeeding years. For each Christmas, I followed the tradition one year sending a group of mentally handicapped youngsters to a hockey game, another year a, a check to a pair of elderly brothers whose home had burned to the ground the week before Christmas, and on and on. The envelope became the highlight of our Christmas. It was always the last thing opened on Christmas morning, and our children, ignoring their new toys, would stand with wide-eyed anticipation as their dad lifted the envelope from the tree to reveal its contents. As the children grew, the toys gave way to more practical presents, but the envelope never lost its allure. But the story doesn't end there. You see, we lost Mike last year due to dreaded cancer. When Christmas rolled around, I was still so wrapped up in grief that I barely got the tree up. But Christmas Eve found me 
placing an envelope on the tree, and in the morning, it was joined by three more. Each of our children, unbeknownst to the others, had placed an envelope on the tree for their dad. The tradition has grown and someday will expand even further with our grandchildren standing around the tree with wide-eyed anticipation, watching as their fathers take down the envelope. Mike's spirit, like the Christmas spirit, will always be with me. You see, so many times we honestly lose the true joy that could be ours at Christmas time because we get our focus, our attention all in the wrong directions. And the truth is, is that, you know, gifts are very special. If someone gives you a gift, it's special because it's saying to you that somebody cares. Somebody cares. You know, that's what the real gift is, the gift of love. You see, that's what it was about when the Word of God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, it was because of his love that he gave. And that's the thing so many times that we can get caught up in all of the commercialism that it's just because, well, we've got to to get for this person because we're going to offend them if we don't and we've got to get for this person because they got something for me and all these wrong reasons. It's an act of love to give a gift that says, I care, I love you. And, of course, the truth is, is that so many times we end up with so much junk that it's just a total waste of money because we didn't need it in the first place. We already had three ties that color. You <laughs> find that the idea of the story that touched me as I read it, you know, really is somebody showing that they care. But so many times all that is wasted, I mean completely wasted, around Christmas time to be put to such good use and to many of you sitting here even this morning in the end the joy would be much deeper and much more lasting if you knew instead of that junk that's laying in there that you really didn't need in the first place that had been put to good use for a real genuine need that met the need in someone else's lives you see God gave us the gift of his son because he loved us so much. We find that he then as he has left his church and you know it's the gifts that we want to speak of this morning are all wrapped up in his church. He has left the church to accomplish his work. He hasn't left the world to do it. It's the body of Christ. That's why you get tired of hearing me say you need to be a part of a body of Christ, not some invisible body, but a visible local body. And God has given gifts to that body. Why? So that his work can be accomplished, so that he can be glorified. Now, what I want to do this morning is I just want to give you a few things about this because I want you to absolutely recognize and keep in mind and pray about the fact that Every man hath his proper gift. One after this manner and another 
after that. Everybody has their proper gift of God. God has gifted you to be a part of a body which you should have already be a part of to serve that body and to glorify Him. Now, God willing, sometime early in the new year, we will come back to some of these thoughts and we will cover in greater detail because I will say to you, and I'm going to move on from it because that's not what I have time for this morning. Many people are afraid. Some people come up and ask, you know, do you believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Sometimes we're afraid to say yes and we're afraid to say no. We know that there's so much confusion, that there's so much misunderstanding about these things that it makes it very difficult. Well, I want you to realize and recognize at this point that the Bible teaches that everybody are gifted by God to serve others, to encourage and exhort the body as a whole, and that God receive all the glory for it. And, of course, we recognize, as we've seen time and time and time again, all of the things that we do together, all of the things that we do, we're here to glorify God. And the greatest way that we can glorify God is winning the loss to Christ. And together as a body, there is no greater job that we have to do. We know that man's end purpose, his greatest purpose is in glorifying God. In this life, the reason we're here on this earth right now, there's no greater way that we can bring glory to God and through our lives and our witness, Jesus Christ be seen in such a way that others can be one to Christ. Now we'll come back and we'll discuss some of these gifts individually and what the gifts are and what about sign gifts and what about temporary gifts and permanent gifts and all these things. They're, they're important, but the important thing now as we think of these gifts approaching this Christmas, I want to encourage you by the end of these few simple thoughts this morning, that you recognize God has given me a gift. Yes, He gave me a gift in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave me eternal life because He loved me that much. And He wants me to be a part of a body where He's given me the gifts of gifted men to teach and preach the Word of God. But He's given to me individually within this body a gift or gifts to use to serve others for the building up of this body as a whole, not for me. And it's a gift from God. It will be used in a way that the glory will be His and not your own. I want you to notice, first of all, look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Notice what it says in verses 4 to 10. Now there are diversities, the Bible says there. There are diversities, literally different kinds or various kinds. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, 
to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. In other words, first of all, we need to recognize the diversities of the spirit. Everybody's not the same. And God hasn't meant for everybody to be the same. God hasn't meant for everybody to do the same job. Notice what he says in that same chapter down in verse 28. He said, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. He gives us this list. And of course, we also looked in, in comparing this chapter to Romans chapter 12, which also speaks of the gifts. Notice with me in Romans chapter 12, what it says, again, picking up in verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, where the prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on your ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. You see, what I want you to recognize and see and grasp here in the first part is that we have to realize God gives gifts within the body of Christ to individual believers. And they're all different. And that's one of the beauties of the body. All the different parts. And God gives many different gifts. And I, you know, I, I just counted through quickly just what we're looking at here in Corinthians and Romans. I counted, I think it was at least 18 gifts that are mentioned there. And folks, that's not meant to be, I don't believe, an exhorting, you know, every gift listed there. It literally is just showing us some of the ways that God will bless and give through the different gifts that he gives to us. But not only do we see the diversities, all these, these different gifts, but notice there in, in, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, notice what he says in verse 11. He says, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally, individually, if you would, as he will. And in Romans chapter 12 and in verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us for the prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. You see, not only do we see the diversities, but secondly, the divine bestowment of these gifts. We don't get to go out and pick off the shelf what we want. We don't go around picking and choosing, well, you know, you know, I want this because that person's got it. In the flesh, that's exactly how we choose our gifts a lot of times. We see something that somebody else has got and we decide that we want it and we go after it. That's wrong even in the flesh. But can we begin to grasp it in the spirit? There's all these different gifts. But God is the divine bestower of those gifts. He's the one that chooses who gets what. He's the one that gives them to them. Notice with me, if you would, in your Bibles, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Notice what he says in verse 19. He says, Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, 
but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, and whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You see, we should be one body, one building, fitly joined together, God the one dwelling in our midst. He's the one that's being glorified by it all. It's all a work of the Spirit. We've got to be submissive to that. Is that not how Romans chapter 12 began? Again, what we read there last week in verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Giving yourself to God unreservedly, completely, as a living sacrifice that God can do with you what He wants to do with you. It's not me deciding what I want to be and what I want to do for God. It's me giving myself to God to do with me whatever He wants to do with me. Now again, we're not going to dwell here this morning, but if you've been here very long, you, you've heard and you know that though there be one baptism of the Holy Spirit, there are many fillings of the Holy Spirit. It is something that needs to be done in our lives daily. We need to be filled and controlled, and that's not getting more of the Spirit. It's Him getting more of you. He is a person. If you don't have Him, you don't belong to God. It's that simple. That's what God's Word says. But if you do have Him, all that we read, when John, in, in, in John chapter 15, when he, when he talks about the, the vine and the branches, when he talks about the, the fruit coming from our lives, when the Bible speaks of the Spirit controlling our lives, Folks, the way that we're filled is by yielding, giving ourselves to God completely. God, do with me what you want. Take my life where you want it to go. That's not easy. We know it. We read it in the Bible. But to get self out of the way, to ignore what self wants to do for whatever reasons, folks, that's tough. That's tough for any of us. I don't care if you've been saved for a day or if you've been saved for years. That's hard. But that's what we need. And isn't it interesting that the very chapters it begins to talk about all these different gifts that are being given within the body to serve one another, to build each other up, that God can be glorified, that we can work together as one body, as one building with God the one filling it. Isn't it interesting that it begins by telling us the importance of giving ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Letting God do with us. You see, not only when we think of the gifts, do we see the diversities of those gifts, the divine bestowment of those gifts, but I want to tell you wholeheartedly, it's got to be devoid of self. Devoid of self. That's one of the hardest things. That's one of the hardest battles that we fight. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation of, not me, the Spirit to profit everyone. It's not just for me. It's to profit the whole body. We find that we can read again about that clearly in, 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 in Romans chapter 12. Continue uh, reading there uh, after we read of the importance of our giving ourselves to God in, in verses 1 and 2. Notice he goes on to say, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Whereas we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. This whole thing, this whole thing of the gifts, is not so people can see how spiritual you are. It's not so people see how well that you can do these things. Not for them to see how caring that you are. You know, I hope you can do some things well, and I hope you are caring and all those things. That's got nothing to do with the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are so that people can see how caring that God is. It's just how each and every one of you here can experience God's love one for another. That is a body, not for my glory or your glory or any fleshly body, but for God's glory that people can know that God is at work, that He is in our midst. As soon as again we start letting that pride get in the way, you see, the gifts have to be devoid of self. Self has got to go. And as long as self gets in the way, it will hinder. Notice secondly something many times, notice what it says here in verse 31 of chapter 12. It's not often this word is used in a positive way. Because when we think of covetousness, we think of coveting that which is our neighbor's or that that belongs to somebody else because that's the way the flesh usually does it. It sees something somebody else has got and boy, it wants it. But covet can be positive in the right sense. He says, but covet, or if you would, desire. Desire deeply. But covet earnestly. The best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. I'm saying to you, fourthly, that they need to be desired earnestly. We ought to desire, the Bible is teaching us, that we ought to desire the things of God. He also says in chapter 14, verse 1, follow after charity and, what's the next three words in your Bible? Desire spiritual gifts but rather that you may prophesy. Desire spiritual gifts. Now, you know, the gift of prophecy is the only one that's mentioned in all three of these, these, these lists. Why? Well, I think he tells us in, in, in chapter 14 there, if you look down in verse 22, he says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, 
He is convinced of all. He is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Now, I do not apologize for the statement that I'm about to make. We live in a day when many of our brothers and sisters in Christ granted that we will one day spend eternity in heaven with, but their time that they come together just as we have here this morning, their time that they come together in worship is more concerned about what's going to make me feel good. It's more concerned around the music that makes me feel good inside, and the Word of God gets very little position in that. I'm saying even right here, what is prophecy all about? It's being a spokesman for God. It's the foretelling of God's Word, not man's. We get our focus all wrong because we want to go somewhere where they make me feel good, where I can be encouraged, where I can get all these things. I'm saying again, I hope you can be encouraged and I hope you can be built up as part of the body. But our focus should always be on building others up. Our focus should always be on being a blessing to someone else. Our focus when we come to worship every time. The greatest gift. Why? He says, because for the believers and the unbelievers, there's only one thing. There's only one thing that's going to strengthen you, that's going to grow you, that's going to help you be more of God, and that's God's Word. And if you're here and you're lost, there's only one way that you'll come to know Jesus Christ, and that's God's Word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I like enjoying myself. I like being happy. There's greater, deeper joys in this world. There's a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. There's a peace that passeth all understanding, and it's not something we can attain in this world. It's nothing that this world can give us. So I make no apologies. I trust and pray that the emphasis of this church Yes, that music will always be an important part. It's an important part of God's book. We've got a whole book of God's songs in there. But may our focus never get off of God's Word. That's what's going to win the lost. That's what's going to build up the saints. That's why he says, of all those gifts, desire that one above all else, that God's Word can be passed on to others through you, that God can be a spokesman through you. We find that we see God's gifts that first of all that we need to recognize the diversities and then we recognize the divine bestowment it's God that's doing it we need to recognize that they need to be devoid of self they need to be desired earnestly but not for me right <laughs> again do we really want God to be seen in our lives we've got to hurry they also said, notice what he says here in chapter 13. Because in, in, in verse 31 that we just looked at there, chapter 12, but covet earnestly the best gifts. Desire the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. You see, the gifts have always got to be dictated by love. They've got to be dictated by love. We know that Chapter 13 speaks of love, charity. It speaks of that whatever we do. If we do it without love, it's just a bunch of noise. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains 
and have not charity, have not love, I am nothing. We can read right through the whole chapter. I'm saying, folks, it's got to be dictated. It's got to be controlled by love. Whatever God allows us to do, we find that it's also got to be divided properly. Divided properly. Is that not what this verse says? But every man hath his, what kind of gift? Proper gift. Proper gift. Not, it's not just any gift, but the gift that's individually suited. Every man has his proper gift. Some say, I, I don't have a gift preacher. Well, Scripture says every man has his proper gift of God. So you do have. You just haven't found it. Maybe it's there. Maybe you've been afraid to, to unwrap it. <laughs> Maybe you've been afraid to, to turn it on and use it. God says every man hath his proper gift. God's got the one for you. Sometimes that's what I want to encourage you to do. Sometimes it means getting down and praying and seeking and asking God what he wants to do. Maybe you've been nervous. <laughs> you know, sometimes we are afraid. Can I, can I tell you again because, you know, probably there's probably no illustration that I've ever shared more times from the pulpit because it was one of the simplest and yet one that challenged me that I've never, ever, ever forgotten that morning. That the old black country preacher down out of the Appalachian Mountains who used to stop by and, and visit with me every Monday morning. And we just talk about what God had done the day before. I don't know how many of you have ever even visited the Appalachian Mountains, but it's country, folks. <laughs> I mean, it's country. And this dear old country preacher, he didn't have a whole lot of worldly education. But boy, did he love God. And God had given a people there to minister to. And as we were talking and he was this, this, this Monday morning, and he was a little bit, you know, frustrated. He's talking about, you know, the people. And he said, I told him, he said, he said, you folks is always talking about wanting to be closer to the Lord and closer to the Lord and closer to the Lord. He says, huh, I don't believe a word of it. He said, you's afeard that if you gets too close to the Lord, he's liable to reach over there and whisper something in your ear. I thought, you know, the simplicity, but the profoundness. We're afraid of what God might say to us a lot. We're afraid of what God might want to do to us. We're afraid of what He might want to do with us. And yes, yeah, the natural thing to talk about wanting to walk and be close to the Lord. But are we really ready for whatever God wants to say? I mean, right now, in my life, am I willing to really listen to God, no matter what it is, no matter how much it messes up my plans, am I willing and ready for His? It's a tough one, folks. But the words mean absolutely nothing if we're not genuinely ready and willing to listen and act upon what God wants for us. Divided properly, and they need to be decisively used, carefully used. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Notice what he says, verse 12. He says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come. 
give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. The importance of using what we have decisively and carefully. You know, some people, after they recognize it, they do just like the Bible teaches us in Matthew 25 and go off and just hide those talents in the earth somewhere because they're afraid of what might happen with them. But the truth is, do we really want fruitful lives? Then let's quit wasting our time so many times imitating the gifts of others. We're just so concerned. We see what somebody else is doing and we try to copy it instead of finding out what God wants for me. What's my proper gift? How does God want to use me? I wish I'd written down, you know, I, I, I go through and, 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 and you wouldn't recognize, I mean, after you've preached as many years as me, I mean, I've got thousands of sermons. And sometimes I'm, I'm going through and I'm looking back and I find these notes that I scribbled down in my studies. And this is one that I'd scribbled down, but at the time I didn't scribble down where I got it from. So I don't even know who said it. But it says, be content to be nothing but what God means you to be. This be content to be nothing but what God means you to be. Then you shall be all that God wishes you to be. You're content to be nothing except what God wants you to be. Only then can you ever be all that God wants you to be. So we find that when we speak of these gifts, we find that God has graciously given these gifts, but that there are diversities, many different kinds. They are divinely given. They are to be devoid of self. They're to be desired earnestly. They're to be dictated by love. They're to be divided properly. They're to be decisively and carefully used. And finally, and lastly for this morning, they should be deliberate and constant so many so many times we can just be satisfied with the status quo we can just be satisfied with where we are and what's happened well there's a couple of things that we could look at but I'll just give you two verses as we come to a close this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 1 2 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 6 Paul, writing to young Timothy, said, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, listen, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. What does it mean to stir something up? Well, you know, the truth is, is that sometimes you're a cook and you've got all that food in the pot, you start applying the heat to it, you don't stir it up a little bit, guess what's going to happen? What's on the bottom is going to get stuck and it's going to become useless. It's going to become absolutely no good for anything. That's on the top is going to lose its flavor because half of the stuff is stuck on the bottom. Or if any of you can ever go back, some of us are old enough to remember open fires. 
remember the first house that Janie and I lived in. We got married here in England, and it had the open fireplace, and that was how the water was heated. That's how the house was heated and everything else. But, you know, if you put that coal in there, the coal man used to come by and fill up the chute every week. You put that coal in there in the fire, and you get that blaze going and whatnot. You just let it sit there on its own. Guess what it would do? It would just dwindle down and dwindle down. It needed some stoking. It needed some stirring up. Then it would burn. It would light. You see, our gifts can become stagnant in us. And what Paul's saying to Timothy here, you need to stir that gift up. You need, you need to have it burning as bright as it can burn. You need to be using it to its greatest effectiveness. Don't let it just be some smoldering fires and coals that are there, but not burning to its fullest potential. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29, Paul said, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I also labor, he says. But what am I striving? I'm striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. God will do it all. But we've got to genuinely give ourselves. We've got to let it, you know, strive according to his working, not our own. The gift. The gift is given to all believers. If you're a child of God here this morning, you have the gift of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gifts to the body corporately if you're a part of the body of Christ, if you're part of a local church, then those gifts are being used in your life. And it's important. That's why they're there. But also the gifts to the individual believers within the body. And you know, according to God's Word, you have it. But the question is not, do you have a gift to be used to serve those others sitting around you right here this morning be used not for self, but totally for God's glory, are you using it? Are you using it to its fullest capacity here today? I'll give you this verse in closing this morning. In James, James chapter 1, notice what he says in verse 5 and 6. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You're not sure today what your gift or gifts are? Not sure what God's place for you God has a proper gift for you to be used to serve others, to be used for the body as a whole, whether it's this body or another body that you belong to. God has a proper gift for you. Do you know that gift? He says if you lack wisdom, ask for it. But ask for it meaning it. And ask for it in faith, believing that he'll give it to you. You see, I want Bethel Free Baptist Church. I want it not just to be a church. I want it to be a great church. 
I want it to be a strong church. I want it to be a church that, that makes a difference. And you know, that's, that's not entirely to do with numbers. I don't know what numbers that God's will may be for this church to run. But I do know that whatever the numbers are, He wants us to be a strong church. And He wants us to be an effective church. He wants us to make a difference. That's why He's left us here. That's what we're here for. And I simply want to encourage you with all the thoughts of gifts this Christmas, will you give some thoughts to this gift? God gave you a gift in His Son. If you're here this morning, I'm going to invite you before you leave this place today that if you don't know that with certainty, that you make certain before you leave here. We're happy to talk with you. We're happy to pray with you. But you need to do business with God. You need to receive and accept and unwrap the gift that He's given to you in His Son. But as a believer, I want to encourage you to think over this holiday season about the gift or gifts that God has given you, the proper gift. He has. He said He has. Everyone has one, at least one. How does God want to use you to serve others? How does God want to use you for the benefit of this body as a whole that He can be glorified, that those out in the world can be reached, can see God being manifest in our midst, are you willing? Are you willing to give yourself to Him, to give yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God?